Rumming Sentences presents A Judge, a Jury, and a Sheriff Part 5 The Preacher Preacher James Corpse goes about his everyday life trying to avoid the recent drama that seems to have befallen this area. It isn't going well for him now since he may or may not have been acquainted with the judge. This is a work of fiction. Any names, characters, businesses, events, and situations within this story are products of the author's imagination. Any resemblance to real people, real situations, events, characters, and so on is purely coincidental. This is meant to be satirical in nature and not taken seriously. This story is written and narrated by Michael Henry. Copyright 2023 Michael Henry. All rights reserved. Swishing about in his tanned robes, though they were hidden under a long jacket, James Corpse perused the pharmacy aisles, looking at things occasionally before dropping them into his basket. They weren't big needed items, but to him one never knew what one might need in a pinch. His basket was already almost full as he glanced down at the latest items to nearly bounce out. Oh no, not you, little one. You do not get to escape me. With a little push, he rearranged the items so that they all fit and set off for the front to check out. After buying his goods, James walked the short walk to the docks that led to the bayou. His little airboat sat at one of the berths and bobbed up and down as he walked towards it. The dockmaster was in front of his boat, though, which was never a good sign. Dockmaster Carl, is there a problem with my vessel? Carl turned to wave his hand and then knelt down along the dock to look at something on the boat. Concern hurried James along until he was beside the man. Your fan is falling off. I noticed it when you were coming in. The bolts holding this thing together look like they're rusted completely through. James knelt down next to him so that he could see this brown rust on his boat. Oh, I guess I see. Um, Is it dangerous to go out there with this kind of damage? Yeah, but you, like everyone else, don't listen to me, so you'll leave anyway. If these bolts fail, your big fan will fall off the back and... You'll be stuck out in the middle of the bayou, probably. I hope your radio is charged up to call someone when it does break. No telling when it will break, either. I will take that into account. Uh, thank you for your hard work. Uh, would you like some chocolate? I bought too much at the pharmacy. He reached into the bag that he had, offering the chocolate bars. The two rose simultaneously as the two looked at one another. Carl was regarding him rather carefully and grumbled at him, but he did not take this chocolate bar. Instead, he went on past, walking towards his shack. You fools should listen once in a while. News repairs are going to be more expensive if you let it break, and then if you get preventative care. Thank you for your advice, James offered with a wave of his hand as he watched the dockmaster continue on to head off down the docks as he waved goodbye. Once the man was gone from sight into the little shack that guarded the docks, he dropped much of his attitude and stuck his tongue out at the shack. Everyone kept sticking their noses where it didn't belong, and he 
hated that. They should all mind their own damned business. And with that, he began packing up his boat and setting off for home. With the engine at full throttle and the fan roaring, James sped his way through this bayou, headed for his home. The path wasn't exactly a clear one, though, as trees grew thick and thin out here, and did so wherever they decided they wanted to. The only place where he could speed in straight line were the straight cut lines that went out to fishing spots. Though they didn't exactly lead towards his home, so he was forced to weave his way around. He also got stuck in the heavy weeds and trees which forced him off of the gas pedal and prevented him from getting home much sooner than he usually would. It was a thing he didn't like at all. But there was nothing he could do about it if he wanted to keep his home away from prying eyes. There would be no chopping down of any trees or weeds. The sight of land and a boat on land, though, when he was done weaving his way through the bayou towards his home, worried him. The land was right in front of him, and now he was speeding towards it. Who dares find my home? There were a collection of people on the bank who had already spotted him as he puttered up, cutting the engine off as it gently dropped into the sandy beach area of sorts that made up the edge of the island. He let the boat gently drift with its momentum into the shore, and then stood there looking at the figures that were there. He recognized the sheriff and the waitress, Sammy, as he stepped off the boat. The other three there, though, he regarded with suspicion. They didn't look familiar familiar or from around here, which didn't bode well for a quiet moment of life. He rather liked quiet because it would allow him to get away with things, but at the same time, maybe he did know them. He wasn't entirely sure and he was trying to rack his mind around everything. Well, a uh, good afternoon, group who's disturbing my peace and quiet. Um, what brings you out to my humble abode out here? Apologies for interrupting your day, preacher corpse. Uh, we understand you have a connection to a former, to our former judge. James looked over at Sammy, who shrunk away, hiding behind the others who had yet to be introduced. Well, um, yes, he was a part of my flock, that much I, is definitely true, uh, but, uh, I'm not sure what that has to do with anything, and uh, talking about it around strangers doesn't seem all that smart. Sheriff? F oh, forgive me, the other... This one over here is Special Agent Victor, and the one to my right here is the state detective named uh, Nick. They're looking into the murder of the judge. I see... What can I do for you then, gentlemen and lady who I haven't been introduced to you? Angela, you've been around the docks enough to know that I'm one of the boat operators of the tours. Hell, I've helped you fix your boat a couple of times, Mr. Corpse. He paused at that thought, trying to put it all together and see if he could remember her. There was a vague recollection of someone looking like her, helping out once or twice. He shook his head and shrugged. Didn't really matter, did it? Fine, it is as you said then, Miss Whoever. Uh, July, right. Now, uh, what do you want to know about uh, this judge person? I don't, I don't really know much, but uh, I 
can't tell you much since we weren't close. I, I did hear rumors about what he was involved in, but a uh, little else I can help you with. We heard that you knew him pretty well. People in town saw you two talking near the judge's car a couple times. And uh, there were stories about a computer or something, maybe? Something? There were packages delivered of some sorts, we heard. Dread filled James, as he most definitely had a computer from the judge. It was up in his home, and if they wanted it, they might find things on it. Never really used it. He turned it on him to make sure it worked, but then stored it away upon the request of this damned judge. Is, is that uh, so? I, thought, I think he gave me an old piece of junk once and asked me to hold on to it for him. Uh, I don't really know much about packages or anything like that. Um, I, I don't know if I returned it to him or not, but uh, I think I actually did, yeah, yeah. Now that I think about it, definitely returned that computer to him. Don't know what people saw, but uh, uh, whatever it was, <laughs> I, I returned all things he ever gave to me to him. May we search your home to see if you may have left it there or forgotten about it or something? Certainly not. Not without a warrant for such things, sir. Please understand, Preacher, we're trying to protect you and your group in case someone out there is targeting your congregation. This confused James, who hadn't thought of such matters, and now that the sheriff was presenting it to him, it was just made his head go through a loop. Was someone after him and using his church to get to him? And using his past, his group, patrons of his new church to get to him? He tried to remember who his old enemies were without showing too much of an expression on his face, other than natural concern that this could be possible. Is that a thing that can happen? Am I and my church being targeted by someone? It is not something that we are currently ruling out. Uh, can't rule it in yet, either. Um, one of the things we understand, though, is that you used to live in and around Coopersville. Uh, from what we've heard, that is where the killer of the judge was working from. James flushed in panic and took a step back, his foot hitting the soggy ground between land and bayou, and his foot sank in a little bit in the mud. Now he really began to wonder if staying around here was a good idea. No one from his hometown liked him, since he'd robbed half of them, mostly blind. Well, I know nothing about that, as I haven't been there in years, uh, ages, in fact. No idea what any of this could have to do with me, though. Uh, sorry. And the judge was just a part of your flock. Nothing to do with anything else. Uh, well, he he was around, and yes, he he took part in some sessions. Uh, uh, but like I said, I, I said I don't think he mingled much. I didn't mingle much with him. I don't think he mingled much with the others, or at all, really. Um, I I try to keep an arm's length between me and my parishioners, so that boundaries are set, and you know they know to they can come to me for help. But uh, we should be separated by a good four or five feet for protection reasons. But, um, don't most preachers like knowing who they're preaching to and getting involved with them in more than just a arm's length distance? Instinctively, James had reached up and mopped his brow with his hand and 
shaking the sweat and worry from his hand when it came away. He tried to offer a grin, but it faded to a grimace, rather speedily, since it was hot and muggy, and he didn't really like this special agent so far. Fair you! <laughs> it is hot out today. Uh, I'd invite you in for some tea or, or lemonade, but uh, the place is a, a good old mess. I never can have guests in there, since it's all over the place. I'm a bit of a hoarder, and uh, everything winds up everywhere. Can you answer the question, please? A bit's my personal preference. That is all, really. Nothing to it. Then, uh, then there's nothing with the fact that you owe money in four states. This according to our lovely uh, state police officer here and uh, the government police as well. He couldn't back up and he couldn't go forward, but the need to run away was strong with James, who was glancing about, feeling very uncomfortable. Maybe you have the wrong James corpse. Uh, it's possible. I, I have no idea. Oh, oh no, wait. Uh, I do have an idea of how you might have gotten things mixed up with me. My brother has the same name as I do. Terribly inventive parents that I had. That they named us both with the same name. I think he died a couple of years ago with a lot of debt and a lot of money owed to people. It's an easy mistake. Uh, you know. Same family, same name. Eh? His eyes were bouncing between looking at each of the cops, never settling for more than a second on one of them. None of them looked like they were buying what he was saying to them. Is, is there anything else, uh, gentlemen? I do have work to do for my church, and uh, I, I, we, we have a, a session coming up, I think, uh, shortly, and uh, I need to get ready for it. So um, if you'll excuse me. Uh, yeah, for now that will be all. Uh, we will probably make our way back out here, see if you can remember anything. Um, or, you know, you can give us a call if you like. Three cop business cards were stuffed into his hands as the group began moving towards their airboats. They were soon aboard their crafts and kicking off the shore. James then offered a smile and a wave as they left, which dropped to a snarl as soon as they were gone. Fuckers. And with that, he turned and grabbed his bags from his boat and headed for the dilapidated place that he called home. A shack that had been built upon several times to make it a bit more livable. He shook his head at the side of the place. He didn't build the place, but what had been built fit what he needed and all of the intricacies worked well for his needs. He went into his kitchen to drop off his bags of supplies, goods from the pharmacy. There was no effort to get things out of them since they were all non-perishable items, and, well, he didn't really care whether they lie or didn't. What am I going to do about those prying cops? I'm only looking into the murder of the judge, so maybe not me, but any poking about they do, I'll probably send that information to some other cops, and that will lead back to me. Is it time to leave here? That, if I did, though, that might raise suspicion about me and they might try and come find me. Ah, oh, what to do, what to do? James paced about the space of his kitchen. The counters and walls all had a bit of sag to them that was affected by his heavy steps. His mind was hurrying about trying to come up with something to help him out. Phone! Phone! In a hurry, he began to pat himself down, looking for his cell phone. 
At the very least, he could talk to an old friend. He had an idea of what was going on around him, though through a contact who knew his past and so on. That couldn't end badly, could it? His mind pried at that question and didn't come up with a good answer to it, but a phone at this point, and some answers at this point, were what he needed. Unfortunately for him, his phone wasn't on him, and he could see that it was not in the kitchen either. With a huff, he went off to find it. His first stop was his bedroom, which was in a state of not being well taken care of. Any search made for a hazardous attempt to find things. The only spot clear around here was the bed, as things all looked ready to fall apart. The walls to the ceiling. And he rather kind of liked it kept that way, since he only really needed a place to sleep, and actually fixing things would cost money. One look around the room, though, told him he'd soon need to move to another part of the house to sleep, if he was to get any sleep. Still, with a few tentative steps, he went in, trying to avoid the fallen pieces of plaster and the plywood that was revealed around that was on the floor. There was a bureau in here, which he kept his clothes in, but that was half buried in junk, and he didn't think he could get to it. A look about the place made him snarl in frustration. Why is all of this coming down on me now? Stupid judge, nobody liked you and I'm glad you're dead, but damn it, why did it have to bring attention to me? He got over to his bed and moved the bedsheets about to see if a hidden cell phone might be amongst it. There was no luck on that, and he soon found himself storming out of here. Across the house, he went as quick as he could to his office, one of the few places that he kept clean for the most part. It still had junk in it, namely the judge's tower computer, which he kicked as he went past it, since it was right next to the door. Crap like you is what's getting me in trouble. He scowled as he went to the table that was acting as his desk. There was his own personal computers and none files upon it, but little else of actual use. Phone, where are you? A few papers were pushed to the side to see if it was hiding under those. After a few minutes, it did come into view under a file, rather ironically enough, titled Judge. This only further soured his mood. Of course it would have to do with you, you stupid judge. You're going to ruin good things that I had going on. But perhaps you're my warning. Death is always such a troubling thing. Bringing good and bad and you, sir, you former judge, only seem to have brought bad. His attention, though, was already on the phone when he hit the power button to boot it up from sleep mode. A relieved sigh escaped him as it began thumbing through his contacts before ending on one. A quick hit of the call button had the phone ringing. Hello. My old friend, is it good to hear your voice again? Who is this? Oh, have you already forgotten my voice, Caleb? How sad, how frightful, how hurtful. It is your old buddy, James Corpse, of course. We need to talk about matters. Corpse, what do you want? I haven't talked to you in ages, and you left here in a hurry. I know, I know. You see, the thing has come up here, and I was wondering if any of your old gang were up to something. 
There was a long pause on the phone, though some noise of shuffling footsteps and a closing door could be heard on his end. I know little of any of that, uh, James. What are you talking about? Liar. You know lots about any and all groups that you may or may not come into contact, and you were never one to give up on making money in an underhanded fashion. Another pause followed. Maybe, maybe not, but I, I have a lot going on lately, so I can't spend all day on the phone. My friend recently passed away in surprising fashion, and I have a funeral to attend to soon. Oh, one of your compatriots, did I know this one? I think you've met him in passing before you ran off. What's going on? Why are you asking about him? If things are still up and operating, what are you and you're doing well, why, why are you calling me? I don't trust that you've reached out from wherever you are to ask about old compatriot. What's going on? James inwardly flinched as Caleb always seemed to have this insight into him. The man always knew that he was after more, which was why he had to leave. Every turn, Caleb blocked his moves to make money and gain power, all under the guise of keeping below the line of sight of the police. I was uh, visited by some inquiring minds lately who knew a bit about my past and um, potentially putting a lot together. Um, they implied I might be involved in some crimes back here and back where I was born, and it looks like your effort to go unnoticed, by the way hasn't worked. A small hiccup that I will deal with soon. As for if it involves us, uh, any of my employees keep in touch and we don't talk about things that will get us into trouble, so is there anything else or can I hang up and never hear from you ever, ever again? James bit his lip as he churned his mind for some information to help him get to the bottom of this and if Caleb knew something. Of course he knew something. There was a connection to his hometown, and, and the potential connection with Caleb, of course. Criminals and Caleb just went together. Oh, one last thing. Um, Have you been keeping track of me and what I am up to? Why would I do that? It would be a waste of time and energy on someone who didn't want to work with us. And that big business you are operating is still your business, right? What is with these questions? Fuck off. I, I have a need to know if I'm in danger, thanks to you. The line fell dead and he hung up on his end, stuffing the phone into his pocket. It felt like he was in danger, and that Caleb was responsible on some end for it, but potentially not, potentially, probably, yes. A look about the place gave him little time to think about it all. A few Bibles and other holy books were strewn about the place, but nothing good that would help him out in the moment. Old books were great, lovely, but to live by their exact words every day of the week, or for a lifetime, felt rather like madness being set upon him. He peered once more about the place, looking for further answers, and then bit his lip before leaving. James had made his way back outside of his home all the way to the shore where his little airboat sat. He made a beeline for it, but came to a stop as he was about to get into it. No, no, stop and think. Running right now isn't going to help solve this. They don't know anything about me, potentially. If they did, 
Why wait to arrest me? I can't implicate anybody, I don't think. If they do know about my past, which they claim to know, then they'll know I'll run. Ah, what do I do? What do I do? His pace up and down the little banks of the bayou kept meeting firm ground and wasn't so firm and squelchy mud was giving him rough time walking around. The more he thought, the less he paid attention to where he was walking, and the sound of something slashing its way through the water made him jump. An alligator was near the shore, trying to capture something a few feet away. It wasn't him, but he managed to draw its attention, potentially. He wasn't sure, and he just jumped back to avoid being near it. Ah, one of the stupid bayou creatures that gets to lull around all day long. Stupid things always jump out when you least expect it. I should get a hunter out here, and I've, since I've seen a few of these gator things around, that might ward off the cops for a while, though. Too many gators. Yes, that would work. He hurried to his boat, ripping on the starter cord, which brought the fan to life with a loud roar. The ride over to Hunter Island was a short one. The nice facilities around here made for an easy landing, since it was mostly a tourist trap of a spot. But the workers were generally good people, and the manager always saw the way of dollar bills. James landed his little boat at the floating dock and jumped out, greeted by one of the workers that looked ready to give him a spiel about one of their offers. However, seeing it was an airboat that had landed, they merely pointed up towards the head office not far away. With a nod, Mr. Corpse was past the boy, who looked to be in high school age, judging from his pimples. James was glad that such things hadn't happened to him at that age. The well-kept office that he came into was as he expected it to be. Nice, clean, and a sturdy secretary manning the front desk. She seemed like she was probably playing solitaire or matching Mahjong on her computer since she didn't look up from the jingle of the door opening. Excuse me, but is Mr. Darrington in today? He is. What do you need him for? A job around the old state island. You know, the place used to be a plantation, but the bayou claimed all but a small piece of the property and a shack of a house. She looked over at him to study him. After a second of doing so, she nodded and picked up her phone, hitting a few buttons. So there is a person to see you. She then hung up the phone as the door behind her was almost promptly thrown open and out walked a man wearing shorts and little else. The craggly man looked like he was scratching at the beginnings of a beard on his face and his other hand at his beer belly. He stopped there when he saw a corpse standing there. Well, 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 have you got business with us today, Mr. Preacher? Yes, I have a bit of a problem around the old estate island. Um, one that needs to be attended to rather quickly. Big problem that needs hunting. Yes, indeed. All right, then, come on in. If there's a lot of them critters, though, it's going to cost you some big money to get them shooed away. James moved around the secretary's desk, ignoring her since he had bigger problems to deal with. The owner of this establishment had already disappeared back into his, the room he had come from, and the secretary seemed to eye him as he went by, like she recognized him or something was 
off about her that she wanted to make him know about. He decided to return her look, but didn't say anything, for fear of setting off an actual conversation when he had better things to be doing. She, however, held up her hand to stop him. And so he stopped. You're the preacher, right? The one who has the weird snake thing going on. And if I am? I will say that none of the other churches appreciates having you around. You should pack up your bags and get out of town. They don't like your lacks around here. He ignored her and headed for the door. The ramshackle interior of this office felt a bit swamp-like as it greeted James as he stepped inside and even heard a squelching noise from his feet. He looked down and noted that the rug there was, indeed, soaked with water. Now what can I do for you, sir, mister, whatever your name is, your preacher, if I remember correctly? James Corpse, preacher extraordinaire. I have a gator problem around the island I told you about, and I fear it is getting worse. He looked at the desk to see a placard with the manager's name on it. Caden Henry was on it, but it didn't seem to suit the man and his beer belly one bit. As I said, I live out on the old estate island, and I want to help people not be around there if you catch my meaning. Caden looked him over and moved some stuff about his desk, looking over some files and papers that he had. It took him a few seconds as the desk was dirty and filled with old food containers, which were typically just brushed to the side. Eventually, he came to upon some contract type of paper as he was looking at it very intently. You need your place locked down, you mean? Oh, well, preferably, yes. I have so many big gators sitting around there and I don't think anyone should be around there, not without proper warning and, and, and you know, they, they should generally stay away since those gators are vicious. It'll cost some money to do such a thing. And of course, you shall have it if you can do it. I can put down 200 now and then the rest later if that is okay. I'll have to check it out before I take this job on, but uh, I see lots of gators come and go from places like that. Uh, they take up spots and can sit around for quite a long time with the proper help. I, I, I will get you a fair amount of money if you do this for me. The contract was pushed across the desk, knocking a few more containers off and a few more papers as well. James hurried over, signed the bottom of it without really reading it, and the two nodded to one another without further word, with James departing a bit lighter in his step and pocket. The whole problem of money was now hanging over his head, which was a big problem since he really didn't actually have all that much. An hour or so later, his airboat was bumping its way into the shoreline, where a grand old house stood. The noise of his boat had drawn two burly-looking men who were approaching with pistols drawn and pointed in his general direction. James scrambled out of his boat and put up his hands. I'm here to see the mayor, if you don't mind. Does she know you're coming? No, but I'm sure she heard my boat more than a mile off. The guards looked to one another to decide what to do. Finally, one grabbed the cell phone out and began typing into the phone. The other had kept a careful guard over him, gun at the ready in case anything should happen. Well, what's your name? 
Ah, Preacher Corpse, James Corpse. Uh, she'll know who I am, I believe. There was a soft sound of clicking from the phone meant to replicate key strokes. They would wait a few more seconds before the guard looked up from their phone, unsatisfied with what was said to them. We're to take you to the porch and she'll decide what she wants to do. The guards led him towards the back of the house that was well taken care of. That is, until the swampy bayou took over its murkiness back there. This fine plantation home of the mare stood in stark contrast to this as it stood on some patio stones and rose above everything. Above them on the second floor was a porch, which now had the mare standing on it, looking down on them. She wore some sort of robe and looked displeased at the disruption of her evening. Who is bothering me at this hour? James raised his hand in a polite wave, which was not returned. He got a heavy glare. I am Preacher Corpse, uh, as your guards probably have told you. What is it you want? Uh, a few choice words, if you don't mind. It has to do with friends and prayers and... Well, I'm sure you can figure it all out. What kind of friends and prayers? Also, stop trying to talk around the subject. There is no need. There is no one here to listen to you other than me. My guards know how to shut off their minds. This caused him to look around the place to see if there was true or not. He wasn't sold on what she said, though there was always a chance it could be true. Not that he wanted it to be. My church is looking for a tithe. It is owed by your town or you, whichever you prefer to put it as. You mean the town. Same difference from my understanding of things in this place and from what you've said many times. It has to be right now. Ah, uh, well, there is a money issue that has arisen and the church must protect itself from prying eyes. Fine. A short meeting downstairs in the drawing room if you'll wait a few minutes. Of course I'll wait. She vanished from the porch balcony with a nod, and he then looked to the guards, hoping that they, that the two, would then take this as a sign that they should get moving along and doing things. One of them finally moved towards the house and signaled for him to follow, which of course he did. Well, isn't this very nice? His comment only drew glares from the both of them as they went to the door to the house and into it. The drawing room was a grand space that stretched out about a bar and a pool table. The guard had taken up guarding the doors in and out of this room that they'd come in once they'd escorted James in. It brought a smile to his face since it meant that he was not trusted. So he went over to the bar to look at the bottles and to see what the hoity-toity drank. It all looked like standard stuff, though, which was a disappointment. He was about to turn away when the back of the bar suddenly opened, and out came Mayor Carroll. He jumped in surprise, as did she, as they both stood there for a second, trying to compose themselves. Ah, well, Mr. Corpse, you certainly have a habit of popping up in locations. A preacher must be near where the most troubled is. She looked over him doubtfully as she closed the secret door and reached for a nearby bottle. Is that so? You said that I and the town owe you money, a tithe? For what? What for? Well, you did say that the town would help me when times of need came in. 
my time of need has arrived, and I wish for my flock to be protected from prying eyes. The mare was pouring herself a drink and offered up a glass. He nodded yes, and he made another similar drink to the one that she had. And what are you protecting it from, or am I not supposed to know what this stuff is, or from a known charlatan? Dear mare, that accusation hurts. I keep everything above board with my church. I doubt that. What is the money for, sir? A gator infestation around the old estate island. It's the area where my flock tends to meet, and with those gators around it isn't safe. That's it. To this, he nodded and offered a smile to try and reassure her that this was the truth, without it being a whole truth. He took up the drink that she offered and held it up to toast, but her look still said she didn't trust him, and the toast went on met. I am a man of my word. Well, man of your word, I hope you can keep it. I don't trust that you will, but for now, how much money is the town lending to you? But let's say a three grand and call it even. Also, it isn't a loan since your town is required by its charter to pay churches that establish themselves in town and give some taxpayers funds to make sure that they stay here. Once a snake, always a snake, I see. Of course, you would read up on the town charter and that. For all for the sake of making money and then probably running. There is something you don't know, though. With a grin, he took a swig of his drink and flinched, not from the comment, but from the burn and taste as he put it back down onto the counter. I am well aware that one has to stay in town for three years after the money has been paid out. I am a fool, but I am not that much of a fool. Her smugness, which had come in the form of a smile, dropped in annoyance and displeasure. I ask again, what is the money for? I'm keeping people away from the island. Happy now? Why? As I said, it's not good for you to pry into matters of the church. I'm trying to keep people from prying into what I'm doing. It's not good for a pastor to come here looking for money from a town without giving good reasons for it either. You telling me that it keeps people from your home isn't a good use of church resources, even if your home happens to be your church. His mind was working to come up with an excuse that would be viable since she didn't seem to like what he was saying right now. Though she did have the checkbook out and a pen had materialized, but neither were close to one another at that exact moment. They were in fact both held up in her hands. Well, does this town get to know what's going on, or does the church leave town? The whole thing was starting to feel like he was being jerked around. He was telling the truth, but it felt like it would it was about to get him in trouble if he told the whole truth of his matter. He watched as her pen was slowly being put away. Fine, fine, on the cops were around my island asking about the judge. I'd rather have no one around the place. Because they're nosy as to my connections to the judge, and uh, you've already guessed my past. She nodded, and in a flurry of activity, wrote a check for several thousand dollars. Not quite the amount he'd hoped for when she handed it over, but it would have to do. 
With the check safely tucked into his pocket, James hurried back into his little boat. He wanted to deposit the money right away, but the late evening hour and no nearby banks made that a bit of a challenge. He was straining to think of what to do next after this. The cops weren't going to stop looking and probably were seeking the warrants to search his place. Running wasn't going to happen since it would only attract attention, and he didn't want that. More money, though, was necessary, and perhaps a little salesmanship to get the people to buy the idea that the bayou had gotten overrun. It could work. A plan had begun to form in his mind as he directed the boat towards his little assumed home. He would arrive there an hour or so later with the boat, sounding not quite as happy as it once had. He quickly decided to rush to bed and get an early start the next morning. When this came about, James rose and made his way over to his little home office, getting his computer up and running. His cell phone was by his side as he began the process of writing a quick document to organize his thought. It was soon completed, but he read it out loud to himself, all because he heard people say that it was a good way to know if something sounded okay. Dear parishioners, it is been a while since our last get-together. A great calamity has befallen our small tribe in the death of Judge de Percy. I am calling together a session of prayer and bites to honor him and ask for the usual. We all owe money to our God, and now is a good time to contribute our way for the greater good and to a greater God. Having read that, he wasn't entirely happy with it, but as far as things would go, it would have to do. He typed the message into his cell phone in the group message and sent it out. He waited a few minutes before realizing that he hadn't put a date on the meeting, and added that it would happen tomorrow on the estate island. He didn't like having things so close to his home, but uh, for appearances it would have to do. His phone had already begun to buzz back with messages from the group acknowledging that they would be there. James would watch his phone for several minutes until the majority had responded, which was disappointing. He needed them all here and giving him their money. Damn these lazy assholes, I only ask to meet once in a while and promise you eternal life and this is what you give back? He got up from his seat behind his computer and began pacing about the room. He needed to email the gator people to put up their show of gators all around the island. Then there were the cops who would probably come by sooner rather than later. And now the mayor who would probably love to talk about things if he had to judge her. This was not going well as he stopped walking about and found himself staring at the old computer the judge had left with him. I wonder if I could drop this old thing off, say I found it and wasn't sure if it was the judge's or not, couldn't remember or something along those lines. Could work and get a little heat off me. Problem is I don't know what's on it. Fearing that it did contain something about him and that that would make his life much, much worse, he decided to go over to it and gave it a good kick to make himself feel better. That didn't work, and he paced around the place a bit more. He would sit down behind the computer a minute later, thinking to himself as he pulled, on the pulled out the business card of Sheriff Wilton. There was potential that this man would at least be somewhat nice to him, 
and he began dialing his number into his cell phone and waited until it sounded like the line had been picked up. Sheriff Wilton. Yeah, who is this? James adjusted himself in his seat to get ready for this conversation. He wasn't really sure how it was going to go, and he didn't like dealing with cops, so he tried to keep it brief. It, it is preacher James Corpse you stopped by the other day. Oh, yes, uh, nice to hear from you. What brings about this phone call? There was a mention, I believe, of a lost computer, or one that was given to me. I don't know about that. And I happened to be poking about my house, and I came across a computer that I don't think is mine, and I don't remember it being given to me, but, uh, you know, it's here, so it might potentially have been the judges. Um, I mean, there is also the potential that uh, one of my parishioners gave it to me, because they tend to give me a lot of things, and, you know, to keep the church going and all of that. Um, so... And you would like to turn it over to me just to be on the safe zone? Yes, um, if I can, tomorrow. My boat happens to have some issues with it. I need to get the bolts or something fixed on the back. And uh, it's not wise for you to come out here since uh, your visit yesterday uh, brought out the gators in curiosity. And now it seems like it's a collection point for gators looking for food. Is it now? Per my oath to my god, I cannot tell a lie. And I cannot, on my good consciousness, have you out here putting yourself in danger because of me, either. God would not like that. Then the fact that the gators in the bayou have been at an all-time low per the gamekeeper Bernadette Cow means nothing to you. James took a moment to collect himself and think up a proper good excuse to cover this. Well, I'm I'm not a gamekeeper, and I only know what I can see with my little eyes. There, there are a few creatures on the island, and a few more swimming around it, and there seem to be more than there were a couple days ago, so, uh, it's what I deal with. There was a long, drawn-out sigh from Wilton's end of the phone, giving James a little hope. Do not, I repeat, do not mess with that computer in any way. I would never, but I... Would you like me to make sure it works first? That would be ill-advised. Tomorrow morning, drop it off at the station, please. With that, the conversation was over, and James hung up on his end of the line and looked over at the computer sitting in its spot. To do what he was told, or to leave it alone? Well, it is in my possession, and there can't be anything wrong with taking a look at it before the cops never ever give it back to me. He got up from his desk and went to pick it up. The old-looking tower felt like it belonged in a museum with the way it was designed and its weight. He worried he wouldn't have the proper cables to make it work, but uh, somehow the back of it looked rather modern, so maybe it would. It took him a few minutes of wrestling to get it up onto his desk and took a step back. Alrighty, computer, let's see what you got. There was a bit of wrangling and to get it up and running and all of the cables properly attached. James was quick to click about and around things, seeing what was what on it. Mostly his concern was about him, though oddly enough no files seemed to come up when he was searching through the file search. 
James, though, was also savvy enough with tech to know of hidden files. A few clicks of his mouse had a password-protected section open. Oh boy, let's play guess the password. First up, judge. He typed this in and it was immediately accepted. Bunches of files began popping up in what had once been a mostly empty folder. All of them at first glance appeared to be about the citizens of town and the crimes that they had committed. End of part five of A Judge, A Jury, and A Sheriff. Thank you for listening.